This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. Hey, if you want to get your hands on some Hey Bartender podcast merchandise, head on over to hey-bartender-podcast.myspotify.com Get your hands on some groovy Hey Bartender t-shirts and some with just some sarcastic remarks on them. Hey, you know, everybody's got to have a joke. So head on over to hey-bartender-podcast.myspotify.com and get yourself something today. Well, you know, maybe not today because show's about to start. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. I'm your bartender. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. Uh, Sit down, relax. Let's get our drink on a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun. Uh, How was your week? What are you up to? Since it's the beginning of the show, we got to talk a little bit about our drink special for tonight. Tonight's drink special I got from one of my co-workers at my other job because... Yeah, I gotta have a day job along with doing this podcast. He called it the Vegas Bomb. I had never heard that before. I said, pray tell, what is a Vegas Bomb? And he explained to me that a Vegas Bomb is you take a a pounder glass, fill it about three quarters of the way of Red Bull, then you get yourself a shot glass, and you layer Crown Royal and Jägermeister in that shot glass. You hold it over the shot, uh, hold it over the pounder glass, drop it in the Red Bull, slam it back, and then Vegas bomb. I don't know how it tastes. He said uh, it's one of those drinks where he said, I don't like Jaeger, I don't like Red Bull, but when you put them together, they're a damn tasty drink, especially with the Crown Royal. So, get it when you get out there, give the Vegas bomb a try. Don't have too many of them. I heard they go straight to your head. And, uh, you know, get on the Facebook page, Hey Bartender Podcast Facebook page, and, you know, let me know what you think of it. And tell all the other listeners, whether it's a thumbs up or thumbs down, whether the drink is worth trying. And I'd just love to hear some of your comments. You guys are awesome. In fact, just today, uh, I posted on the Facebook page, and... Just for fun, kind of a game, you know, uh, I put it on the Instagram feed too, and I said, let's say five guys came into your bar and they perfectly executed the entire dance routine to the right stuff by New Kids on the Block. Now, some of you people might not have been into music in the 90s, uh, the early 90s or uh, late 80s. And have no idea who New Kids on the Block is. They're now known as NKOTB. Uh, but they had a song called The Right Stuff. And the dance routine that came out of that music video was, oh, well, pretty original. It, you know, it was pretty really not the beginning of the boy band era. Because boy band type of things have been around since the beginning of rock and roll music. Even before that, probably. But, uh... You know, you watch that video, and they have a pretty unique dance routine for that whole thing. So I asked everybody on Facebook and Instagram, what would you do if five guys came in and 
completely, perfectly did the entire dance routine for the right stuff and said, would you A, 86 them, B, cut them off, C, buy them around, or D, just let them finish? And you know what? The popular answer was C. They ever, People said they would just buy them around. Was, well, okay, cool. So uh, if you uh, are listening to this and you have a group of friends that are New Kids on the Block fans from way back when, you might be able to get a free drink out of it. You never know. Uh, I mean, I've heard worse reasons or worse ways and worse reasons to get free drinks. Oh. So this podcast, you know, I kind of decided I, I kind of had a run in with a little bit of problem with management. Uh, I've been tra- uh, traveling around uh, trying to meet other bartenders, trying to uh, go into other bars and, you know, refresh myself a little bit with the bartender lifestyle because it's been a little bit, of, it's been a little bit since I've been a bartender and uh, some things just all of a sudden hit me back kind of like PTSD and there one thing in particular that came up, it hit me like a freaking rock and the reason why it did is because I was in one of those corporate places. Now, the difference between working in a corporate bar versus just a mom and pop owned hole in the wall is in a corporate situation, the boss is always there. And in a mom and pop situation, the uh, manager or owner of the bar, which is usually the same thing, they'll leave maybe around five o'clock and uh, say, okay, I'm out of here. And the bartender is left in charge. And I heard tons of tons and tons of stories from various different bartenders. Here's one of mine. Uh, when I first started working uh, as a bartender in a true mom and pop bar, this, this was my second uh, bartending job that I ever had. First job was working in a, uh, what do they call those, uh, banquet bartender type of situations. And, of course, the manager and the boss was always around because they had to be there to, you know, pick up the check at the end of the day or something goofy like that. And, but in the mom and pop bar that I worked at, the situation was kind of iffy at first uh they didn't know me very well as a bartender and when i got hired on it was kind of like oh you need a job uh, yeah sure we'll help you out because uh, we were friends uh, we were friends before i got that job and so when i first started that job the bartender was training me on how to do the registers and how to operate the point of sale system, how to close up the restaurant at night. And I think they weren't exactly sure what they were going to do with me. Maybe give me one or two shifts when people are taking vacations or work a day shift uh, every now and then, or just put me on the server floor. But the big thing about that, uh, big thing about that situation though was, uh, I ended up being 
the main bartender for a little while because you know, this is funny. Now, if any of you people are being dishonest in your bar, listen to this part very carefully. The guy that was training me and the other girl that was also the bartender there, she, well, we closed up one night and as I'm driving away, I noticed that he is staring into the bar trying, you know, trying to figure out how to get back in because we basically locked ourselves out of the bar once we're done for the night. You know, make sure you got your wallet and your keys because you're not get back in the bar uh, if you don't have it. And he forgot something. And I just saw that he was looking through the door trying to peer through. I just ignored it. I just said, oh, maybe he, ah, oh, I didn't know what to think about it. And the next morning I get a phone call and uh, saying, we need you here this morning. And I said, okay, I'll be there. And so I showed up for the morning shift. And then by a little bit after noon, after the lunch rush, they said, um, is there any way you can work the rest of the day? And I said, yeah, sure. Because, you know, I, my new job, I you know, wanted to leave a good impression. And I said, what's going on? And he said, we just had to get rid of two of the bartenders that work nights, which the two bartenders were the only two bartenders that work nights. And I was like, what really? And he said, last night, did you happen to see the other bartender with a case that, uh, you know, that probably had something like a radio face from a car radio? I said, yeah, he kept it in his tip jar. And he says, did you happen to see him open it or use it or anything like that? And I said, no. And they said, well, when we got to the bar this morning, we saw this thing sitting on the top of the bar. And we opened it up just to see what was in it. And we found a bunch of weed in there. And I was like, no shit. And so apparently him and the other bartender were selling weed behind the bar along with selling drinks and stuff like that. So they fired him immediately. Understandable. Because at that point in time in Oregon, uh, it was illegal to sell marijuana. Now things have changed. Now you don't have to try to find a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy to go out and buy your weed. You can just walk to the corner store almost. And basically... They said, you're going to have to work their shifts until we find somebody else to uh, take over for you. And I said, okay, yeah, no problem. I need the money anyway. And uh, for the first, oh, couple weeks, maybe a month, uh, the owner of the bar stayed at the bar while I did the shift. And he actually took me aside and said, you know, we weren't really sure about bringing you as a bartender because we weren't sure you could handle it. And so we're just going to keep an eye on you for a little while. And I, I didn't take offense to that until later, but not too badly because, you know, I was a green bartender, you know, what are you going to do? And I was getting thrown into a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know was about to happen. It's just, why is this huge crowd of people here? Oh, this is a pool tourna- tournament. 
oh, okay, you're just slinging drinks. What do you mean these guys get uh, a free pitcher? You know, I you didn't tell me that. Now they're mad at me that I charged them. And uh, the manager, he stuck around for uh, the first month, and then finally one day he just said, okay, look, I know you got it, so have at it. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. And I, just, I said, all right, good night. And during those times when he was hanging around the bar, it not it didn't make me uncomfortable at first because, hey, I knew the guy. And, but it made my customers uncomfortable. Now, the customers, uh, the reason why they got uncomfortable, I was told, is because they didn't feel like that they could trust me. They thought, he's watching you like a hawk. He doesn't trust you. So, you know, what are you, uh, you going to do for us? Are you, you, know, you going to be a good bartender? Are you going to be a really strict bartender? And I just said, let's play it by ear. You know, we'll figure that out later. And But when I finally got left on my own, I that's when I started to realize, okay, the bartender's in charge when the manager's not here. And uh, during my year working there, uh, I had another coworker came in. She uh, had she gave, she was given automatic seniority over me because she was had been a bartender for a lot longer than I have. Shannon Moore, you know, you know, you might have heard of uh, the podcast where I interviewed her for the show, and I didn't care. I was just like okay whatever and you know they tried to cut my hours back a little bit but it didn't work because uh some of the nights shannon was just overwhelmed and she's like i can't do this by myself get the other guy in here and so they called me up and i said all right i'll be right there and from then on that's when the team aspect of shannon and i came into play all of a sudden, we were working together. We worked uh, like clockwork. You know, it's just, you need help? Okay, cool. You, I need help? Okay, cool. Uh, we're running out of glassware. I'll jump out on the floor and get as many uh, glasses as I can, and we'll bring it back. Uh, Shannon and I had that uh, bar running great, because and just because we she had perfect customer service skills, and I was constantly on the watch, you know, just making sure everybody's having a good time. But the problems that came uh, came in, our most stressful nights were when the manager or the manager's daughter would be there. And, you, you know, usually it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But uh, there was... Another time, same manager, he uh, was standing nearby the bar and uh, this customer comes up and says, hey, can I get a cheeseburger? And I said, hey, you know what? We got this cheeseburger on special tonight. Uh, How about I hook you up with that? And right in front of the customer, the owner says, don't tell him that. If he asks for a regular cheeseburger, charge him for a regular cheeseburger. Don't give him the special. And... Wow, that was embarrassing. And he's, but the guy ordered the special because, hey, it was cheaper. And 
But I was just like, was that really appropriate, boss? And he felt in, uh, extremely justified by it. Uh, he was the type of guy, the manager, he, the manager was that type of guy that didn't confront you. He avoided confrontation at all costs and would write you notes. And that was annoying as shit. Cause you know, like when I'm trying to be helpful to him, I would like say we're out of Amaretto. We're out of Jack Daniels. We're out of, uh, you know, just trying to help him with the liquor order. And then he leaves me a note and says, that says, we already know that we're getting, uh, we're getting our liquor order today. You don't have to tell us. And I walked into his office cause I don't have a problem with confrontation. I walked up to him and I said, Hey, sorry. I thought I was helping. He didn't even look at me. And so I was just like, ah, oh, well, blow it out your ass. You know, uh, I won't help you out like that ever again. And you know, that was embarrassing because I've seen managers do that before. Basically yell at their employee in front of the customers. That is a great way to make all your customers really uncomfortable. It's, uh, what did Dane Cook compare, you know, use as a comparison. It's like your dad beating up your mother at Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, okay, oh, sorry, kids. You know, your mom's just acting up. You know, well, I shouldn't probably use that analogy. Uh, But still, kind of the same type of thing. Customers got really uncomfortable uh, because he would yell at the his employees right in front of them. And the customers would get scared and sometimes you'd never see him again. So bar owners, if you ever have a problem with your server, please take them in back, talk to them, be humane about it because yelling at them in front of the customers does affect your business. And you know, it, and people started to hate being around whenever the manager was around when Shannon and I were together, didn't matter. They uh, they knew us, they liked us, but when the manager was there, they were standoffish and sometimes wouldn't be there until they knew they'd left, which caused a lot of mistrust uh, from the management towards Shannon and I. And, but, but that's not the worst story uh, in a bar situation. Uh, I'll start with, uh, one more that I heard from a bartender at another bar. Uh, it was a privately owned bar, wasn't corporate. And at the end of his day, the bar manager would very commonly sit down at the bar and start ordering drinks and get completely fucked up, uh, within a, you know, within a couple hours you know, at first you'd think it was a good customer service thing, you know, glad handing the customers and, you know, talking up the high spenders. And, but when he would start to drink, all of a sudden he'd be counting, uh, how much liquor gets poured into a glass. What? How much liquor did you just put in that drink? You just, you just way over poured that. And, uh, you know, and then would yell at the, yell at his employees right in front of the customers while he was drunk sitting at the bar. 
And, you know, once again, that makes people uncomfortable. It embarrasses the shit out of your employees. And, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes for some employees to bounce back from that sort of thing. Some employees can just brush it off going, yeah, whatever, he was drunk. Other employees, yeah, they might go on break and you'll never see him again. Uh, but, yeah, that that guy was a interesting case because he was the owner of the bar. And I think in this day and age, he would have probably been sued for sexual harassment up, down, and sideways. But he doesn't, he's now no longer around anymore, so it's not that, uh, not that big a deal to, uh, well, in the bar situation, this whole sexual harassment thing that, yeah, that's a big deal. But, uh, back in the early two thousands, it wasn't brought up as much. And, uh, but luckily nowadays, uh, people are speaking out and good for them. I, uh, back all of you up a hundred percent, but you know, when the bar bar manager decides to sit and drink at the bar, that makes the bartender uncomfortable because they know they're being watched. Are we being dishonest? Maybe some of the bartenders out there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's really no reason for an employee uh, for the bartender, the bar owner to get completely drunk in their own bar. Sure, have your shifter at the end of the night, no big deal. But to get completely blotto and, you know, and then try to represent yourself well in front of a customer, good luck with that. Point being, the bar owners really should just leave it to the bartenders. But the worst case scenario when it comes to an owner being at the bar is you can have a good night going, you got... I don't know, three three people wide, three people deep at your bar. And then the bar owner comes in. The bar owner also brings a bunch of her friends. And, well, I say her because this is another story that actually happened. She comes in and she comes behind the bar. Now, at this point in time, I have no idea if she's been drinking. And I'm sitting there wondering, what the hell are you doing behind my bar? And... Because when I uh, when I'm running the bar, it's my bar. I don't care who owns it. I don't care anything. It's my bar because everything that happens behind that bar is my responsibility. She comes behind the bar and she says, "I have to make their drinks because they only like it the way I make them." And I said, "Are you sure? Because you know they haven't tried the way I make them yet." She didn't think that was funny, and uh, she just began to pour drinks for all of her friends. Consequently, she also forgot to charge her friends for all of those drinks. So, you know, that uh, I'm going to lead up to that story uh, in another podcast. But yeah, she come behind the bar. She pour all of her friends their drinks, and I don't know if she had been drinking, but she didn't pour herself a drink. However. She had a bottle of Snapple with her. And when the floor waitress was walking around picking up empties, in a bar in Oregon, I don't know about anywhere else, you're not supposed to have outside food or any type of uh, 
food from any other location in your bar except for the stuff that you serve in your bar. And she had a Snapple bottle with her. And when the waitress came around to pick up empties and garbage and shit like that, she tried to grab that Snapple bottle, but immediately the bar owner's, bar owner's daughter, she grabbed it from her and said, no, no, that's okay, I'm, I'll keep that. And so we automatically knew something's up. And uh, it became, she became difficult that night because the bar closed at one o'clock and we usually gave people until one thirty uh, to file out and, you know, and, and nobody had a problem with that. But at one Oh five, the bar owner's daughter went over to the karaoke booth grabbed a microphone and said, excuse me, we are now closed. Get out. And I was just like, can you please give them a minute? And, you know, we just shut off the music. We just turned up the lights. It's not like they're going to scatter like cockroaches. And they're allowed to have their drink in their hand until uh, 1.30. You know, just let them finish their drink and then they'll go somewhere else. And we lost a few customers that night because she basically ran around saying, you're done, take their drink, you're done, take their drink. And we're like, oh, God. And some of the uh, customers we were able to get back by apologizing, just saying she doesn't know how uh, we run things around here. We'll, we've explained it to her. She apologized. And you know, actually, we never talked to her about it. We just kept our fingers crossed that she would never come back in. Which, oh, say a month or two later, she did come back in, once again, brought friends, and insisted on making the drinks behind the bar. And it was a karaoke night. And we had a loyal following of karaoke people at the bar. I've told you that story a dozen times. I mean, I was the singing bartender for a little while, just because you know we had karaoke, and every once in a while, the customers would like to see the bartender get out and sing. You know, that was my personality. That was my character that I was playing in that particular movie. But that night, she had come in on a karaoke night, and we already had a packed house of people wanting to sing karaoke and dance, have fun. But she went up to the karaoke DJ, handed her a stack of CDs and said, play this stuff. And the karaoke DJ is like, uh, this is karaoke night. Um, we do the dance stuff tomorrow night. And she goes, no, I want, I want to play this now. And, uh, so she started playing the, you know, the house techno type music and, you know, pre dubstep. And the only people that went out to the dance floor were her and her three friends Everybody else went to opposite corners of the bar, hoping that it would stop soon. But after about 20, 30 minutes of that repetitive stuff, uh, a lot of people just said, we're going to go somewhere else. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, have a good night. And I, you know, shook my head and I was like, oh God. And because she came in. And essentially scared away all of our business for that night. And, you know, 
I felt like that I couldn't really complain about it because the owner was her father. So I couldn't go up to him the next day and say, you know what? We had a packed house last night until your daughter came in. And then all of a sudden everybody left. And, you know, because she had this idea that she wanted to turn this little mom and pop bar into like a dance club in a big city. And the, the bar that we worked at was not in a big city. We were way out in the suburbs. I mean, maybe, maybe between the suburbs and the sticks, that's where we were at. And so having a full fledged lights, lasers, ecstasy, whatever, uh, you know, and techno music, not the greatest idea for a place that far out. You want to do all that stuff? Start a club in Portland and be prepared to be closed down after two years when you're no longer the it place. But she scared away our customers. And is that because she's the owner? Not that time. She, uh, But being the owner, she felt like I have the power so I can come in, do what I want. And this is my bar. So we'll play the music that I want. I'll uh, serve the drinks to my friends, which I'm once again, I'm pretty sure she forgot to charge him for. And, uh, and, you know, basically change up what everybody was used to. It's, and it was a headache. And, uh, I mean, all of a sudden I had, uh, you know, Shannon on her side of the bar, me on my side of the bar, three people wide, five people deep. And all of a sudden nobody. And I, was pretty sure as she was trying to do what she considered dancing on the dance floor, she realized that slowly people were trickling out. And I'm sure she justified it some way or another that it was somebody else's fault other than hers because she is that type of person. And it, you know, when the owner is around... Yeah, the bartender no longer has the power. And the bartender is the reason why the people come in to visit. They don't come in to say, I'm going to go over to the bar, uh, that bar and talk to the owner. Well, some of those people do. Remember that asshole I talked to you about uh, one time where he, came, he said, well, I know your boss. And I said, oh, you know my boss? And he goes, yes. And I said, well, then you know how much he hates name dropping. Uh, but... People go to the bar to visit the bartender. It's it's like going to a movie and to see your favorite actor. And it you know, it's that's how they're entertained. They're not entertained by listening to stories of how much uh, the owner made that night. They're entertained by whatever the bartender can do, whether if the bartender sings, if the bartender tells jokes, if the bartender is a good listener, is friendly but when the bar owner comes in and lurks that annoys the piss out of every bartender out there i i bet you uh, i've never worked in a corporate place before in my life but i bet you there have been times in a corporate situation where the head manager gets off their shift and decides you know what i'm gonna have a couple quick ones before i go home and goes to sit at the bar and then all of a sudden, it's like, what are you doing? You're pouring too much. Or, 
It's you're just that was a waste. Or don't serve that guy because I think he's only slightly drunker than I am right now. And you know, it's situations like that that make me think that that's where bubble pourers came from. You, now, people that aren't bu- uh, bartenders, a bubble pourer is a spout that you stick on top of a liquor bottle, and supposedly through the magic of gravity science and whatever it's supposed to pour out a perfect shot and then stop and those things are the worst invention ever because now the bartender can't be artistic the bartender uh becomes a robot and could be, let's face it pouring drinks is a very artistic thing and the owners uh I, when i was in north carolina i was talking to uh one of the one of the bartenders out there and you know you know with this show i i would like to uh go to every bartender out there and ask them is there a drink out there that you invented yourself that I, you wouldn't mind me talking about on my podcast. And this girl actually was very honest to me. She says, yes, I do have some, but I don't remember them right now. I'll email them to you later. Uh, because, it, because we can't really experiment that way anymore because bars are watching their costs. And, you know, if somebody orders a shot of whiskey, there ought to be only one ounce of whiskey missing out of that bottle. If somebody orders a, a rum and Coke, there should only be one ounce of rum missing from that bottle. And when I was working uh, the banquets, that was probably when it was the worst for me because the, the owners would watch the levels of the bottles like a hawk. And... I was just, you know, at first, that was my first job. So I was like, oh shit, I guess I better be a a little bit more careful. But the bartender has the opportunity to be a little bit artistic. And if the owner would allow the bartender to try out a couple recipes on their own, say, you know, let's see if we mix this and this together and then put this in here, what would that taste like? And because that's where drinks come from, you know, experimentation. And I, I tried experimenting on uh, making a couple drinks and I would sell them truthfully um, say, Hey, I just made up this new drink. Um, You want to give this a try? And I would either sell them or I would uh, give it to them at a discount price or flat out, give it to them for free. But, um, and because they're my guinea pig, customers are the bartender's guinea pig. If this, if they think that drink's good, it might be the next next week's drink special. If they think the uh, tastes like crap, pour it out, try it again. And the way that bars, bar owners are watching their costs nowadays, bartenders aren't allowed that kind of freedom anymore, and. You know, it's not a horrible thing to pour a half a shot extra 
or something like that because hey i gave it a little i gave you a little bit extra you're because you're a good customer that yeah that that was uh one of those customer service things that i learned about um say you're pouring a strawberry daiquiri and you put you know, you're pissed off you put because you have to take the blender out and all bartenders i'm sure you understand that and you're uh you take the blender out you put your ice in there you put your liquor in there you put your strawberry mix in there and then you blend it and you put it in the fancy tornado glass but everything that was in the blender doesn't fit in the tornado glass so you grab like a a bucket in a little bucket and then put the rest in that and uh go over to the customer and say here a little, little bit extra for you they think they're getting getting a big drink when really they're only paying for the shot and but the bar owner might see that and say you're throwing away my profits by pouring that little bit extra. You got to be more careful with your measurements. And, oh God, you know, it's just, uh, and you've seen those bars where they have the, uh, they have to use those special measuring shots and, you know, pour it into the measuring shot first before it goes in the glass. Or they have those bubble pourers and that it's supposed to go click after a perfect shot, which, okay, bar owners, they never do i'm telling you now bubble pourers do not work right they never do they never will get rid of them and so the the owners would just hang around and they don't really need to be there anymore and i'm sure if any of their employees got drunk and belligerent after their shift they would either get a stern talking to the next day or uh, be fired uh, immediately just because it makes the bar look bad. And, you know, that's that's just a horrible thing because they, well, yeah, I come in here because I'm the owner. I can get away with anything because I'm the owner. Yeah, but you are the owner. I will give you that, but you're bad for business. I mean, hell, at the, one of the other bars that I used to work at, people would avoid being at that bar if the owner was there. I mean, not just like what I was talking about earlier. I mean, some people were tolerant of them because uh, of my other managers because they knew that they would basically stay in the office, maybe come out and say hi and be friendly. But this one bar, they hated it when he was around because he wasn't a good guy and uh there were yeah a number of times where he yelled at me in front of the customers uh only one time deservedly deservedly so because i uh showed up about uh, 15 20 minutes late and but you know still another one of those situations where uh he really should have taken me aside out of the customer's earshot and talk to me about it instead of yelling at me right in front of the customers and you know of course that sets the tone for me now i'm going to be in a pissed off mood for the rest of the day and the customers are just like uh are you okay and uh yeah i'll be fine in a little bit what can i get you and uh it it's and that guy didn't trust anybody and the customers knew that he 
pretty much thought everybody was out to screw him over. And you know what? If nobody was, I would be extremely surprised because he was as untrustworthy as anybody I've ever met. And you know what? I'm going to just come out and say it right now to all you bar owners out there. If there's anybody in your bar that you can trust that you kind of have to trust, it's your bartender because they're there to make sure that business keeps up and they make money. And when you, they make money, you make money. So let your bartender do what they need to do and everything will turn out just fine. Unless you show up the next morning and see a bunch of weed on top of your bar, then you probably should confront your bartender and really try to figure out the whole trust issue thing. So, well, you know, uh, before we uh, get down to a little bit of fun here, I got to do a little bit of advertisement here. If you want to get some uh, really cool bartender t-shirts or uh, bar- Hey Bartender podcast swag or just some bar stuff, go to hey-bartender-podcast.myshopify.com and take a look at the catalog and see if there's a shirt there you like. We got some uh, cool shirts there. Uh, stuff to promote the podcast, stuff that's just funny. You know, you, you want a t-shirt that says cheap people suck? Go there. If you want a t-shirt that gives the status of your hangover, not in real time or anything like that, but if it just says hangover uninstalling, go there. Pick it, pick one up and, you know, see what else you like. You never know. So, as usual, you guys know that I like to present a musical guest on my show. This week, I'm really excited about this one because I'm a big fan of rockabilly music. And you know, Brian Setzer Orchestra, he opens up the show. And I really hope he doesn't mind because I don't want to get sued. But this week, Hey Bartender Podcast is proud to present to you Laura Hope and the Arctones and their single Fast, Cheap, or Well Done. <laughs>
from their album Love You to Life. That was Laura Hope and the Arctones with their song Fast, Cheap, or Well Done. Oh, God, I love uh, good rockabilly music. If you want to find more about them, you can check them out on iTunes. You can find them on Bandcamp.com and find links to all their social media and their personal website. And they got tons of music out there and all just as good as that. Trust me. A little bit more before we get to last call. You know, what I was saying about the whole trust thing, you know what, you bar owners really, really need to trust your bartenders. Because, like I said, they're there to make money. They're not there to screw you over. They're there to entertain. They're there to make tips and pay their bills. They're going to do whatever they can to help you make money because when you make money, they make money. And it's the you know the exact situation. I mean, one of the bars I worked at, they had a trust issue all of a sudden because they thought they were losing money on liquor all the time. And they started counting, you know, sticking around sticking around the bar a little bit too long and counting how long the shots. Now, all you good bartenders out there, you do a four count. One, two, three, four. And you've got a perfect ounce uh, of liquor right there. And they, you know, were trying to count everything that we were doing. It's okay, perfect Long Island, according to the bartender's manual, has a half ounce of vodka, half ounce of gin, half ounce of, you know, of, well, you, you, know, you know how it's made. Uh, vodka, gin, rum, uh, triple sec. Yeah, half ounce each of vodka, gin, rum, and triple sec. And then fill that to the top with Coke and sweet and sour. Okay, some bartenders, you know, I know you're out there, might pour a little bit more than a half of an ounce. And, you know, some Long Islands out there might be a little bit more clear than others. But, you know, it's it's all about, you know, serving, the good cust- serving a good drink to the good customers and kind of cutting back a little bit on the bad customers it all comes out in at the end all comes out even and so they thought they were losing money uh because we were over pouring when really they had they were in no danger of losing any money and so they started thinking well in order to get rid of uh losing all this money and to get rid of these yokels that are uh, coming into this bar and bring in some higher class or, you know, the younger crowd or something like that, we've got to make some changes around here. Now, I have seen it happen where they've gotten rid of a bartender and then all of a sudden the bar closed six months later. And that is just hilarious to me because... You know, I, in defense of the bartender, the bartender didn't do anything wrong. They just decided, all right, we're done with you. Get out. And so, you know, but, and if they're a good bartender, they're able to get picked up anywhere. But, uh, you know, they make changes. And uh, that one bar I worked at, they got rid of the core group of bartenders that were working there for over a year that the customers knew the customers loved and uh, got rid of them. Okay. They're 
business went down just a little bit because the customers follow the bartenders they like. That's the key. Your customers, your good customers will follow you wherever you go. But they also start tried to make other changes. It's like uh, the uh, one bar I used to work at, uh, they had four pool tables in there. People used to love coming in there because they had so many pool tables. It was the place that had the most pool tables and you had the bigger shot of getting to a pool table that night than you did anywhere else because all the other places had one, maybe two pool tables. And so all of a sudden, the owner's daughter, she got full control of the bar and decided that she wanted to bring in music acts. And, you know, live music, not a bad idea, okay? But she got rid of two of the pool tables just so she could build a stage. And that hurt business bad because she only brought in music once a week but she forgot about the rest of the week and i talked to the bar the new bartender when he took over and i was like how's business well before that uh big change i asked him how's how's business and he goes oh i I did pretty good tonight but as soon as they got rid of a couple of the pool tables i said so how's business and he goes it was dead all night and i was like oh dude bummer i'm so sorry and, you know, then eventually, uh, you know, she tried to make so many changes and doing uh, promotions that scared off a lot of her customers, a lot, a lot of the bar's customers. Like, uh, what was that one show, the, the reality show, The Bachelorette? She decided to have a special night where she, uh, you know, we're showing the Bachelorette. Come to this bar and, and then and watch the Bachelorette. Uh, yeah, the place was dead. I drove by it that night and saw there was absolutely nobody there. And I thought, wow, good idea for promotion. Ugh. But, you know, last thing I'm going to say, owners, trust your bartenders. Because your bartenders are there to make you money. And if you've got a good bartender... Do whatever you can to keep them. You know, if they want a raise, give them a raise. If they want better shifts, give them the better shifts. And you will be able to know. You can spot the good bartenders from the bad bartenders. They don't have to leave marijuana on the bar in order to know whether they're a good bartender or a bad bartender. So, anyway. It is last call. Last call for alcohol, people. So, if you want another drink, come on up to the bar, because I'm not walking out there. You, uh, you you come up to the bar and get it yourself. Yeah. So, hope you all had a good time today on the show. We're talking about uh, bartenders versus owners, or owners versus bartenders, depending on how you look at things. Uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook, just uh, follow us on Hey Bartender Podcast uh, on Facebook. Same thing on Instagram. Or follow us on Twitter at HeyBartenderP01. Couldn't get Hey Bartender Podcast on uh, Twitter for some reason. Uh, if you want to buy some Hey Bartender merchandise, go to hey-bartender-podcast.myspotify.com. 
pick up all kind of cool bartender swag and some bartender pride t-shirts because let's face it we want to support those bartenders because they're out there working hard and taking care of us we want to take care of them and you know if you want to drop me a line tell me a little personal story or even if you go out one weekend and have uh, have this really good drink and you feel like it needs to be shared with the rest of the world, send me an email about it. Hey, bartenderpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to hear about your drinks. And, you know, I'd love to get a little, uh, get you people a little bit more involved in this place. I'd like to thank everybody that's left comments and everything that uh, that they do on the Facebook page. All the likes, all the comments, all the subscribes, all the sharing. Really appreciate it. And as always, I have to quote my hero, Billy Joel, at the end of this podcast. Lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And don't take any shit from anybody. Good night, everyone.